0: Did you know that nearly 2 million Turning Point radio programs are broadcast each year? Your support enables Turning Point to continue delivering the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And thanks to our Giving Challenge, any fiscal year-end gift you give until the end of June will be doubled, up to $100,000. You can help Turning Point finish strong by donating today. Call 800-946-4300 or go to davidjeremiah.ca. When Christians are caught in scandal and sin, the world is quick to judge with accusations of hypocrisy. But do you wonder what God thinks? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares more from the life of David, who fell into sin on more than one occasion, yet is described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. To introduce today's message, Reaching an All-Time Low, here's David.
1: You know, friends, if you're a Christian, uh, you may have heard people say that when you become a Christian, everything gets better, and you don't have any problems anymore, and life is like sailing on into the future. And if somebody's told you that, you have been listening to the wrong people. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible is filled with admonitions to us that in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And the Bible says all those who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We won't have persecution in the tribulation period in the future. We know that. We're not the object of God's wrath. But in this world, we are humans, and we have issues. I've had cancer twice, and we've all experienced issues. And David is going to go through a really rough time. This is the all-time. If you chart David's life, this is about the lowest point. Uh, He's going to do some really dumb things in in the story that we're going to talk about today. And you say, what in the world is this man thinking? And then he's going to end up in a cave, isolated by himself. And, and, well, the story goes on. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want you to quit listening because I told you the whole story. But today is kind of part one of David's downward descent and what God is teaching him in the process. Hey, let me tell you that uh, we're going to Israel in March of 2024. If you haven't already signed up, I hope you will. Our major sites will be Jerusalem, Galilee, the Dead Sea, and the Jordan River. Guest artist uh, Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega will be with us, and we are going to have a time, a wonderful time, to visit the Holy Land, the places where Jesus walked and where the history of the Bible is still intact. And I hope you will go. If you haven't already made your mind up to go, I hope you will make it up and get to our website and get registered. You will find everything you need to know at our website, which is davidjeremiah.org slash events. We sure hope you can come with us. This is an opportunity of a lifetime, and maybe you've already gone. Maybe you've gone before. We have people that have gone with us almost every time we've gone to Israel. Some of them have been with us four or five times. They just can't get enough of the Holy Land, and I agree. I hope you will join us. The dates, once again, March the 12th through the 22nd, 2024. All right, it's time to study. Let's open our Bibles and our hearts.
2: They said he was a Christian, and I believe they were right. He had done a great deal of good work for the Lord. He had founded ministries and funded them with his own money. He was a successful businessman who was well-known in his community. He had a wife and family, and from all outward impressions, he was a model of a godly christian businessman but financial difficulty took over his empire and worse got worse and as hard as it is for us to believe he took out a large insurance policy on his wife conspired with two underworld characters to pull her off the road when she was returning from the airport having been out of town for a week and they shot her in the head and killed her. No one could believe when first the rumors began to hit that perhaps her husband was involved in it. In fact, I remember when I was first told, I said there isn't any way, this this couldn't be. Some would say he couldn't be a Christian and do something like that, and I'm not here to debate whether he knew the Lord personally or not but I've told you that story because it illustrates at the extreme the capacities of an individual yes even a person who knows God the capacities of an individual to stray from his moorings in the faith and do things which would astound you whenever we hear of one of our valiant soldiers who has fallen the question that always surfaces first among the rest is How could that have happened? He was such a godly man. How could he have done that? I thought he was a Christian. And I am here to tell you with David's life as an example that there are no depths that are too low for even a Christian to sink if once he begins to walk in the energy of the flesh and out of fellowship with his God. Christian people who are out of fellowship or in a backslidden condition are capable of doing terrible things. In fact, it's a sobering thing for all of us to admit that there's probably not anything we are not capable of, given the right circumstances. I have watched Christian people assassinate one another with their tongues. I have watched them deliberately cause division among friends and destroy unity in churches. I have watched them treat their children badly and their partner even worse. I have seen them as they have embezzled money and taken things that do not belong to them. And you can go on and make the list. Men and women who know Christ in a personal way, who get out of fellowship with God, can do some pretty terrible things. And so I don't want you to be surprised when we look in on the life of David today and see what has happened to him. He's the same man who was anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel. He's the same one about whom we read that he was a man after God's own heart. He's the sweet singer of Israel. But he's about to get in a whole lot of trouble because he didn't walk with God if nothing else happens to us today as we take a look at David's life in this next chapter perhaps it will remind us that we are all creatures who desperately need to have a short tether in our relationship with the Lord we can't even afford a very long leash can we we need to stay close to him we have learned in the last episode of David's life that when you know God's promises you have nothing to prove David went out to try to prove his worth before God by taking 200 Philistines and killing them but he didn't need to do that. God had already promised him that he was the king. We have learned that that when you know God's faithfulness you have nothing to fear and we kind of chuckled as we thought about David reciting Psalm 59 as he climbed out of Michael's window on his way to escape. We have learned that when you know the fellowship of God you don't even have to worry about losing your best friend and we watch david and jonathan in their parting moments and recognize that they would not see each other again except for a brief moment before jonathan finally dies we have learned that god is sufficient and that he can be trusted his promises are sure his faithfulness is always the same and his fellowship will sustain us but remember david is a man who struggles in this particular time in his life between what he believes and how he behaves He knows it up here, but he has a hard time putting it into practice He can write some of the greatest words to some of the greatest hymns you ever sang in your life But he finds himself struggling with the same fears that you and I struggle with in our own lives As you remember when we last left David he had just been in the presence Of Samuel and the prophets. He has left that situation and he has been with Jonathan. And now we are told at the beginning of the 21st chapter that David flees and he runs to a place called Nob. In the next few moments we're going to see David involved in three things and interestingly enough in the text they all begin with an A. I mean, I don't always have that easy a time putting my messages together, but in this situation, it was great. First of all, we're going to see David as he is defiled before Ahimelech, the priest. Then we're going to see him as he is degraded before Achish, the Philistine. And finally, we're going to see him as he is delivered in the cave of Adullam. And we're going to see those very quickly as we follow this journey with David as he runs away from God and gets into such difficulty. Notice, first of all, in chapter 21, in the first nine verses, David defiled before Ahimelech the priest. And let me read it for you. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. In fact, in the Hebrew, the word is pronounced Ahimelech, but we'll call it Ahimelech since that's what we're used to. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and he said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him of a truth, Women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave to David the hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Dog, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take it, take it, for there is no other save that one. And David said, there is none like that one. Give it to me. And he took it. Now let's watch what happens in this story. It is late afternoon on a Friday, the day before the Sabbath. David and his few followers, running away from Saul, arrive in a little village with the quaint name of Nob. As they show up in that village that day, they see a peaceful, secluded village that was a sanctuary for Ahimelech the priest and his fellow priests who served the Lord. We will learn later that the total habitation of the town numbered 86 souls. They lived in the village there. Included in that number were men, women, and children. Apparently, Nob was off the main drag, and it wasn't a place you visited unless you were going specifically there. They had few visitors. But strange as it may seem, when David and his men chanced upon the village that day, there were not only the 86 souls who belonged there, but there was one extra person, a man by the name of Dog. Into that quiet setting on that lazy Friday afternoon came the son-in-law of King Saul with his small entourage. It was obviously not a place that feared for its protection, for as we have learned, there was only one sword to be found in the whole village. You can just imagine the shock when one of the priests peers out his window and says, here comes a group of men and I believe one of them is the son-in-law of King Saul, David himself. David walks into the camp, and it is evident to Ahimelech the priest that something is very wrong in this situation. He looks at David, and he says, why are you alone? Now, David had a few men with him, but what the priest meant was, why are you traveling unlike the royal travelers travel from the king? Why do you come... uh, as you are why have you not come in the normal manner for emissaries of the king to travel and that is the beginning of David's deceit instead of depending upon the Lord to care for him David now enters into an intriguing lie which has all kinds of problems wrapped up in it that will eventually cause great harm and difficulty for this man David, in essence, says to Ahimelech, Well, you have to understand, I'm on a secret mission for the king. That was a bold-faced lie. David was not on a mission for the king. He was running from the king for his very life. He is a fugitive, not an ambassador. And then David, since he had not brought with him any provisions for his travel, asks Ahimelech if he has any food. In other words, do you have any bread? And since this was a priestly village, Ahimelech was observing the Passover and the Sabbath. And Ahimelech said, all I have are five loaves of bread, which are a part of our sacrifice, a part of our presentation before the Lord. It's the showbread, David. That's all I have. I have no common bread. But he said, if your men are sanctified, if they have not been with the women... Then they may have the bread, and so he gave to David the five loaves of bread. And some have criticized Ahimelech for doing that, and others have criticized David for taking it. But if you read the New Testament, you will discover quite easily that neither did Ahimelech do wrong in that manner, nor did David. For the Lord Jesus used this illustration in the book of Luke. When the disciples were walking through the cornfields on the Sabbath and picking off the corn and taking it and shucking it in their hands and eating the corn kernels, the Pharisees got all over their case. And Jesus used this illustration. He said, don't you remember when David walked in and there wasn't any bread? All they had was the show bread, and the Himmellet gave it to him because he knew he was hungry. And Jesus made a point about the importance of ministering to people instead of protecting the externals of religion. So Ahimelech didn't do wrong to give David the showbread, and David didn't do wrong to take it and eat it. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that David lied to set the whole thing up. He deceived Ahimelech. He set up a whole scenario that is going to come back to haunt him in more ways than you can imagine. When you walk in your own wisdom and you're out of fellowship with God, you ask for a complicated lifestyle. Have you noticed that? (laughs) You can't be simple anymore. You can't remember what you said to him that wasn't true because now you've got to go over here and say something to him that's going to cover what you said to him because if he doesn't, you see what I'm talking about? You're just covering your tracks all the time. And David's life now is going to get extremely complicated. He has stepped out of the will of God. He has lost his focus on God and he's trying to protect himself and every time he turns around he's in trouble. And two things are going to happen in his little visit to Nob that will come back to get him in trouble. First of all, I want you to notice that there's a man he meets, and I'll just ask you to put that on hold, if you will. In the seventh verse of the 21st chapter, there was a certain man of the servants of Saul that day. His name was Doge, an Edomite. He was the chief herdsman that belonged to Saul. Just hold on to that for a moment. Just put it in file number one and hang on to it. That's the first thing that's going to get David in trouble. I want to pass on to the second thing, and we'll come back to this in a few moments. The second thing that gets David into trouble is the fact that he asks for a weapon. Now watch carefully the scenario. David says to Ahimelech, do you have any weapons? And then he tells another lie. He said, I had to go on this mission for Saul in such a hurry, I didn't have time to pick up my weapons. Well, David, we understand that you got away from Saul in a hurry, but not for that reason. And Ahimelech says, we only have one weapon in the whole village and it's wrapped up in a cloth behind the ephod. It's the sword that was used to kill Goliath, if that one's all right. David took a look at it and he said, boy, there's not a sword like that in the whole world. I'll take it. And he straps Goliath's sword on his belt. And watch what happens. He leaves Nob and he heads out to find another hiding place. And we pick it up in the 21st chapter. David arose and fled that day, verse 10, for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, do you remember that name? Do you remember Gath? Let me refresh your memory. That is the place where Goliath grew up. Goliath is from Gath. Remember, we talked about how all the giants were still in Gath? So here is Saul's enemy, David, running away. And where has he finally gone for refuge? He's gone to the hometown of Goliath, the man he killed in the valley. That's how bad things are for David. And he expects to walk into Gath since years have passed and they have forgotten about the little shepherd boy who with the slingshot killed Goliath. He intends to just walk in there and kind of get lost and take some sanctuary in the city. And notice what happens, verse 10. He arrives in that city in Gath where Achish the king is, and the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David king of the land? Did not they sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Apparently, the hit parade even extended to Gath. The song had spread. David had a good agent. <laughs> You say, how in the world did they know this was David? I mean, time had lapsed and they had never seen him. I'll tell you how they knew. David walks into Gath, the hometown of Goliath, with Goliath's sword strapped on his belt. And if you had grown up in Gath, you would have heard of that sword since you were a little boy. Goliath was the hero of that village. I mean, everybody talked about Goliath, this nine-foot, six-inch tall man. You don't forget somebody like that. And they talked about his spear, which weighed 19 pounds on the end, remember that? And they talked about his sword, and though you would never have recognized the average normal sword, when you see David walking into the hometown of Goliath and he's got Goliath's sword strapped on his belt, you don't have any trouble figuring out, hey, there's something strange here. I took a good look at him and he said, it's David. When you walk in your own ways, you sure do complicate your life, don't you? David has told a lie to Ahimelech, borrowed a sword from the village, and the sword now has gotten him found out in his next hiding place. So when David marches into Gath, he surprises nobody, and he finds himself in a very difficult position. Now, here is the low point in David's life. Realizing that he is in terrible danger and that there is no escape from this situation, David decides that the only way he can escape is to take the following course of action. Verse 12, David laid up these words in his heart, the words of the song that they were singing, and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. And Achish said unto his servants, He's crazy. What David did was he started to slobber all over his beard. That's gross, isn't it? (laughs) And he started to bang his head against the gate of the city and bang his arms against it and just kind of flail around, slobbering and flaying around and acting like he was nuts. And I love Achish's response. And they bring him to the king, and Achish said unto his servants, you see the man's crazy. What do you bring him to me for? I don't need any madmen. In other words, I got enough crazy people around here. Don't give me any more. And I want to remind you, this is King David. This is the man after God's own heart. This is the sweet singer of Israel. With Spittle slobbering in his beard, banging his head against the door, acting like a crazy man. Because you can never tell to what depths a person will go when they get out of fellowship with God. You lose your common sense. You lose all sense of propriety. You do the weirdest, strangest things if you're a Christian out of fellowship with God. So David has now deceived Ahimelech. He has totally degraded himself in front of Achish. And as we come to the end of chapter 21, we see David in the first two verses of chapter 22 running for his life and finally deciding the only safe place is to find a cave and to get in the cave. And we read, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down where he was. Now watch this. And everyone that was in distress... And everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. Can you imagine being surrounded by 400 people that were either in debt, unhappy or disquieted in their own spirit? David tries to play the crazy man in chapter 21 and the next thing he knows he's got 400 crazy men all around him. And those are his mighty men. We're going to help him win his wars.
1: You know, there's an old adage that says that there's no limit to what a good person can do in being bad. And there's no limit to what a bad person can do in being good. Good people sometimes do bad things, and bad people once in a while do good things. But in this situation, David has done a dumb thing. He's done something that it's hard to believe. His uh, charade uh, in trying to get them to think he's out of his mind is a low point point. and when you read about him dribbling in his beard you think Oh, how did we ever get to that place and then as you know we end up in a cave and we'll have more about that going forward but this is um, reaching an all time low part one we have more of that tomorrow uh, Wednesday and Thursday we're going to talk about David's prayer from a cave and then on Friday how to treat your enemy And don't forget, folks, the Focus Life is our gift for the month, our resource for those of you who help us. When you support us during this month, ask for the Focus Life, Psalms and Proverbs, beautifully designed in a leather-covered devotional just for you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Tender Warrior, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The Focus Life, a month of daily readings from Psalms and Proverbs in a beautiful leather-bound book. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Tender Warrior, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca.
1: During the famous Six-Day War of 1967, Israel's military leaders were guided by a Hebrew phrase, "inbrera," which meant no alternative. In other words, there was no alternative to victory. If the nation was to survive, she had to defeat those nations threatening to attack her, which of course she did. Jesus' twelve disciples expressed a form of inbrera once when many of his followers began to fall away. When Jesus asked the twelve if they were also going to leave, Peter said they had no alternative but to stay because no one else could lead them to eternal life. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's only path to eternal life on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to
2: Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.